but it's not tubes because I fucking hate tube amps. <gasps> Welcome to Two Shots and a Royalty Check brought to you by Venmo, your money, your move, and liquid death, murder your thirst. Let's get back into it. I, it's too much time with Steve Crenshaw and like having to go and like find some goddamn German vacuum tube in Breckenridge <laughs> so we can play it again. It no, like, it's true. Why don't though. you just get a fucking amp? He's like, because you got to drive these, got to drive the tubes. There's a, I still maintain that the, the only reason that I'm able to solve just about any reason on any problem on a stage is because I had to tour through Nebraska in the nineties. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, getting stuck in like year 2000, between the year 2000, 2002, the internet wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now in small towns. You didn't have it on your phone. You had to find a, a, a wireless point to connect to with your giant, stupid Vio laptop. And if you want to, and there wasn't tutorials all over the place. There might have been a GeoCity site where some, you know, nerd had, uh, and I'm a nerd. Please do not at me. Um, you know, had written down the specs of the specific thing you were doing. But, like, I had to figure out how to, like, fix, you know, power cables in the middle of the night. I had to rewire amps. I had to, you know, I had to replace, you know, pickups, you know. And I had spares of everything. By the end of that tour, I just had a, I had a, like, a rolling case full of crap and parts, speakers, (laughs) tubes, fuses, anything that could blow up or go wrong. I had, I had three wirelesses because you get electrocuted enough times on stage from bad power you yeah. find a way to not be connected to that bad power. Totally. This you know? is when I was still in the. Uh, it's kind of. It was kind of before I was able to use acoustic electrics. Yeah. And you know because they weren't. I mean, you had your washburns or your ovations and. Yeah. But uh, but like for the guitars I wanted to play, I had to put in the like. The LR bags. Oh, pickup. the bag system. Yeah, yeah. Or it was it LR? It was something. It was yeah, bags. LR bags. That's right. Yeah. that's the right. That's the right name. Um, right but name. like all those kind of pickups in the F hole, and yeah. you like, and you forget that <laughs> you didn't have you didn't have the cover in it. Yeah, you know. So it was just whoa. Yeah, and if I and and singing like that was meant for like a guitarist just to sit down, but yeah. if you were like singing full power. Your chest is resonating against the acoustic yeah. guitar. The yeah. strings are resonating, and the microphone is just like, <laughs> I can't wait to electrocute you. <laughs> oh, this is going to be so fun. I've been, I mean, the last time I was zapped was I was playing through a really old amp. I was on tour, and, you know, we were getting backline. We were flying places. We were getting backline gear. And I had usually, I travel with my wireless mic because of, for, and a wireless mic guitar for obvious reasons. I was a dumbass and did not charge anything, and I didn't have any batteries, and I was cabled to a wired microphone, and I went to play the intro riff, and I'm supposed to sing the chorus, and I hit the microphone and just go, you know, like, and my eyes roll back in my head, and my white hair is smoking, and the guys in the band kind of look at me like, not aware that that's what had happened, and be like, dude, you totally fucking missed that entrance. You How missed the you, note, dude. You missed the entrance. I can't believe you missed that solo. So we had a, we've had a woodpecker show up. I like looked out my window. And I, I, uh, we have a tiny little, like, kind of, like, almost like the porthole on a ship window uh, in our room. And I open the window, and outside in the tree, there's probably about 75 birds, little porky things, just sitting staring at me like that. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Close the door, go back in, start working on my computer. All of a sudden, I hear, 
<laughs> fuck is that? <laughs> fuck is that? I <laughs> Nothing there. Then I hear. I'm like, what the fuck? I go out, and there's three of them, and they are just down the side of my house, just, and they're all taking turns. Like, ah. I um. Slight flex. I live on. I live in the penthouse, right, uh. top floor. <laughs> and and as awesome Whoa. as that is, after have lived flex. in so many apartments under people, although many of my apartments were on the like the third floor of a walk up, and I was on the top. Nice. Um, like I've lived. By the way, this is an interesting thing. I've lived another flex? in three hundred one, mm. like in four different places. Oh wow, it's your number. Isn't that weird? Do you pay attention to numerology and that kind of stuff? You like? I, I mean, I, to a certain extent, like Sammy a Hagar's bit. apparently really into it. I heard that in his uh, in his book. Well, then we should be because he's doing whatever it is he's doing. I want two of those. Yeah, and he seems like really Marry a happy. blonde, drink on the beach, live in Mexico. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, except for the whole wrangling cartel shit. That sounds awful, dude. Dude, dude, dude. Okay. I've been at that border. Okay. Yeah. So Brownsville, Mission, down in South Texas. The truth about the border, and most people, and I'm not going to get political here, but I'm going to get political. The truth about it is that Mexicans and Americans go over that border all the fuck day long. Mm-hmm. Mexicans come over and they're working or they're going to school. Americans go over, they buy their tortillas, they get their teeth fixed. Like it is all day long over that border. Like when you're driving through there in, in South Texas, Brownsville, yeah. Reynosa, and on the other side is Reynosa. Mm-hmm. And when you go over, you see the cartel parked in fucking tanks, like right as you cross the bridge. They're right yeah. there. How you doing? Um, and I don't know any cartel members. Okay, but yeah. I have spoken to people who have been part of that. Mm. And you talk to the Mexicans that are from there too. God, it just sounds horrible when you say Mexicans because everyone's made it so pejorative. But like when I say Mexicans, I mean strong, happy, Mexico. national yeah. Mexico people. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the Mexicans will tell you that, like, yeah, the, yeah, the cartel's a problem. Um, but they're not a problem. For the Americans coming over, because basically they want they want that going back and forth. That's how money is made. That's how mm-hmm. it, it's it's a nice little exchange that everybody does. Yeah, cartels aren't stupid. They don't just kill Americans. They don't just kill people out of the clear blue. There's no fucking reason to pull people out of a car during the daytime. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you we don't have the full story of this. Will fight with each other. They'll take yeah. out Mexicans. They'll kill journalists. They'll kill politicians um, because that's kind of what they do, like any gang. But it is not in their um, in their best interest to kill American tourists or any mm-hmm. tourists. And by the way, Americans all think that all the tourists in Mexico are Americans. Like almost every time I've been to Mexico, we are outnumbered as Americans by Canadians, by Dutch. Mm-hmm. By like Europeans, and yeah. by the way, by Mexican tourists, yeah, like people that like Mexican people in resorts love to make fun of the 
I can't remember what they call them, but I probably shouldn't say it even if I could. But they make fun of the people who come from inland Mexico to the resorts Hmm. because they come in like Floridians. They've got black socks (laughs) up to their up to their calves. They're they got a camera around their around their neck. Yeah. And they're like on vacation. And you know, they're taking pictures of everything like a horrible American would. <laughs> when let me ask you this question: Anytime you've been on vacation and you've taken a fuckload of photographs, how often do you review those photos and look at them and go, "Oh, remember how great that time was"? Oh, well, we have a few up in our house. Yeah, like that's like different. I actually, I take them and I put them up, but um, yeah, not enough, not nearly enough. I don't, I don't like ever do that maybe. much. I mean, I will do the the whole obligatory. Uh, I'm building an audience on social media, so I, I mean, I will, you know, Katie and I went to a music festival last year, and I got to see Sparks, and it made me really happy. And I documented the fuck out of that on Instagram. Um, but for me personally, I don't. I would much rather, you know, just I like the memory of it. You know, I and if I yeah. ever go bananas crazy and or, you know, end up with dementia or something like that and I can't remember that stuff, I won't care because I can't remember that stuff. I don't post most of my personal trips on social media. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want people to know the spots I go to. That's fair. And it's not even because I'm that famous. It's if just you'd like that, to like, subscribe to my blog, I will tell you all the places he goes. Yeah, maybe I should put it on our Patreon. <laughs> Patreon. OnlyFans. Yeah, my OnlyFans. This is me where I go in Canada. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I don't, like, I, I only tell, especially if I go to, like, L.A. for business, mm-hmm. no one knows but the people I'm meeting. Yeah. I Like, <laughs> I won't even do that, I'm having a beer at the airport thing and show yeah. LAX or whatever, I won't. Because I yeah. just don't want to, I don't want, I don't know why. I, I I guess I don't know why. I mean, I don't want to be bothered. Yeah. But I also don't want to disappoint other people. You know, I've because of the traveling and touring and all that, mm-hmm. you end up starting to know a lot of people around places, even yeah. international places that I've been to a few times. They may know me as Chuck Norris. I don't know why. But, they, but like <laughs> there's certain areas in Mexico where they're, they're like, hey, Chuck Norris. Like, I have no idea why you say that. Don't look like him at all. But okay. Yeah, but you got a hell of a roundhouse, so it makes sense. Yeah. I must have knocked someone out at a bar once and they're like, Yeah, that's that guy. <laughs> I'm a musician. My vacations are tours. <laughs> that's right. So. <laughs> my vacation is my day in between the next day. Yeah. It's it's funny, like, you know, that that's how many I've been I've been to I think I've been to every single state except for Alaska and Hawaii. Those don't count, right? No. Um the, those so, are not contiguous contiguous um, yeah so like i i haven't been i haven't been there but um you know on tour but i've been everywhere else uh and i was like oh it's really cool what do you think of this place it's like don't know saw the hotel saw the green room you know totally so, you know and and then and then saw the the stage and that that was it you know um it just you just you know it's not the it's not the same um i had a couple of tour managers that that Oh my God, master routers! If you're hiring a tour manager, one magical world. My friend Morgan said she was like routing. They're like, what would you like us to do for you? She's like routing. They're like, anything special? Routing. It matters. Like how totally. you get where where you're going and how you get there, and you set up your tentpole gigs, and you you know 
book around that kind of stuff, but how you get there and the amount of time you have to get there and the amount of time you have to be in a place matters. Especially if you're, um, you know, the type of person that um, likes to, you know, go out and see the town, you know, which I do. I want to go out and, you know, wander around and find the the world's greatest cup of coffee. Congratulations, you did it, you know. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, the, biggest, so, the biggest ball of string. The, uh, yeah. Love uh, those. What's it? In Blue Earth, Minnesota, there is a giant statue of the Green Giant in the middle of a field somewhere. <laughs> And I was touring, and I was like, and, and you know, I'm driving the van, and I go, everybody else in the van's asleep, as you do. So yeah. I'm driving, I take a bite off my Slim Jim, hammer back a slug of Mountain Dew, and I go visit the giant, jolly green giant, or blue sky or blue earth, somewhere in like some blue something in, in Minnesota. And, I was, and I'm standing outside the van, and all the like bleary-eyed, bedheaded, tight-panded musicians pour out of the door, like, what are we doing here? And I'm just standing underneath this thing. <laughs> staring up at it like i wanted to go see the the jolly green giant and i fucking did but That's that was right. the, the thing about like when you when you have a tour routed well you you know like okay we're gonna we're gonna be in manhattan we've got one we've got one show you we have three days here hotel yeah. is paid for um dinner will be your we covered you got your per diem go fucking see the city go to the theater on night on the night after i don't care do something. This yeah. is the place to do that. You know, I've taken we've taken a day off in the city. It's going to be expensive, but it's going to be worth it. You're going to enjoy it. And that was part of the. That's the part of the thing I think that you know sometimes gets lost. You know, when you're when you're stuck in the. Oh yeah, you could do, the, these guys can totally sleep on the bus. We don't need to worry about <laughs> hotels. It's like no, <laughs> it fucking matters. It really does for the human experience of being on tour. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. I loved I, I I when I was first when we were first going really hard on touring, uh, I didn't like to go out during the day. Well, like you it, were also a musician. You didn't like to get up when the sun was up. Yeah, well, <laughs> like and like when we were going hard, that was still in the time when you could do morning shows and, mm, and you yeah. had like a tower radio record and, afternoon mm-hmm. and radio stuff when you had to do. Yeah, yeah, we do. Like we would do the morning show at the local affiliate on TV, and they would mm-hmm. be like, "Oh, why don't you play us a song?" And it's like six thirty in the fucking morning. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and your voice is like three octaves lower. Like sleep. Yeah. Tom Waits covers is pretty much what yeah. you're getting at this point. And then we had to, you know, drop by the college radio station yeah. or whatever, and then like a in store Tower Records for four people, and you know, yeah. And what was awesome at that time is that like even you would do that. And you had some fans there, but like they're working. Like they yeah. can't take. They're they yeah. may love your band, but they're not taking off work for it. Yeah. Um. And but then when if you're in one, all the people that are there are like, ooh, there's a band here. Yeah. They must be big. You know, put up a. They put up the banner. They're selling yeah. records. <laughs> yeah. And so it turned into a thing. Yeah. You know, and like they didn't know who the fuck we were. Yeah. But like later on, that's when I was like, you know, this isn't a way to live is just seeing the inside of a motel or a hotel room. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, so I, I would like I would try to book things to where I could go. Yeah. When I went out on my own a lot, I would definitely go and see everything. Way I could. easier when you're a solo artist. Yeah. Way easier. Yeah. Because it's hard to get roadies in the band and kick whoever's yeah. out sleeping there. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's hard you got to get a crew. You're going. paying that crew for that day off. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the thing is, is that that's normally 
That's normally that's meant for when you're eating. Like we're yeah. all going to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then, you know, bass players like, well, let's smoke some dope. <laughs> okay. I just want to go see players. the world's biggest can of butter. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I want to go see the butter cow. <laughs> totally. Um did, I have a question about like you probably know this better than me. I know there's I know that, you know, on my I have a list of, you know, non reporting and reporting radio stations throughout the United States. I'm not. I'm not seeing as many college radio stations on those lists anymore. Is that a fact, or am I just missing a, a sheet on my Excel spreadsheet that needs to say that? Well, I think a lot of them. You know, so most of them are non-com, yeah, non-commercial, and they're part of that non-com association. Um, but those those are normally sort of more like community radio stations. Mm. Gotcha. Now. Um, and the, so from the college standpoint, the ones that I've talked to recently, they're just playlisting, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's still some good college radio stations. There's one in Abilene that like, is still trying to like make shit happen and find bands and, and do all of it. But like the support from what, this is my understanding and I don't know completely, but the support of listening to college radio changed where kids that get to college. One of the reasons why college radio was so awesome is you get to college and you would only have like your, you know, your CD pack or whatever with you. Um, But like to hear new music or hear new shit, you would kind of support the local college radio station and listen to them. Yeah. Um, But now you have all the world's music on your phone. Yeah. There's really no reason to listen to the college radio station and most people don't have a radio. And so like a mm-hmm. lot of them um, didn't move to apps quick enough to where you yeah. can just get it on your phone yeah, um, because it's a cost and the radio stations, I was on the radio station when I was in college and it was, yeah. you know, t- as, as cheap as you could, I had to pay for my own FCC license, <laughs> you know, and like, but I mean, that's, that's the gig. Everyone yeah. does that. Like, that's what college radio was about. You'd bring in your own records. Mm-hmm. You bring in your own, you know, tapes or CDs or whatever. Yeah, keep track um, of what you're playing. Yeah, and then do your cue sheets and your yeah. FCC crap and slip in a cuss word. Yeah, of course. See if they'll find you because they give you some publicity. <laughs> Blank a doodle do. Think, to yeah, Howard Stern. But I don't. I don't know if there's still the college. Uh, like there was a. We did a big push into college with a college music alliance. And yeah. I don't know if that still exists anymore. I think you're right. It may yeah. not. Wasn't there like there was like and a NACA? There yeah, was NACA, I was, that's which is more up. for for live. Did you ever do those yeah. auditions? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. we did those. Uh, you know, a bunch and a few few different projects I was in. But so I have a I have a follow up question. Follow up question from the man in the back with the silver hair. Um, yes, man in the back with the silver hair. Uh, yes, uh, I've noticed that we're both talking into the same microphone. Go sure. Um, Sure. Uh, <laughs> I get this. I get this question from artists I'm working with. I I work with a lot of people doing release campaigns and building plans for their music career. And one of the things I always get is I want to be on the radio. And I I understand the 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 joy of hearing your song on the radio when you're in the car. But but who the fuck is listening to the radio anymore? And is well, it worth it for a new artist to pursue, uh, a new unsigned artist, new independent artist, um, to pursue uh, 
plays on on terrestrial radio? So there's two answers to that. One, <laughs> of course there is. Is it worth it? I'll go to that first. Yeah. No. Like it's not worth it. You're not going to make money. You're not going to get more streams. Yeah. You're not going to sell anything more. Um, however, it is worth it to try. Yeah. If you have enough of a national profile. So it's kind of a it's a nuanced answer. If you aren't if you aren't huge in your local scene, mm-hmm. you should not go after radio. Yeah. Because that is the first place where you're going to do it. You will find the genre that you're in or whatever and you can see you know there can be a DJ or a program director that will see that you're blowing up a little bit and and they will help you on like a local show. A lot of times those are like Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll help you like get a little spin on a local show. Yeah. But being on the radio is – but let me answer the first question. Who's listening? A fuckload of people. There, we've, we've like seen a bunch of recent data that is like 70% of music listeners still listen to the radio. Wow. Uh, to That's music, a bigger number than I expected. Yeah, and it used to be it used to be that it was trending towards um, radio. Used to prop itself up <laughs> by saying, "Look at all these people listening to the radio," but it was really sports talk, religion, and politics. Aha! Uh-huh. And that's all on the radio. That's for yeah. sure. But we've just seen recent. Um, Chris K and I were just talking about this, but we've just seen some like recent data that's like. That shows that there's a lot of people still listening to the radio in their cars, at yeah. work, <clears throat> you know, all of that sort of thing. However, I think that almost okay. So I did a lot of stuff with Arbitron back in the day, which was like yeah. a radio mm-hmm. intermediary, and and they can fudge the numbers however they want because there is no reporting on radio listenership other than mm. audience segmentation and yeah. audience survey. And so if I were to if I were to like go to a company, you would go to like a marketing company mm-hmm. and you would ask them, so like you're a radio station, you're like how many people listen to my show, to my radio station and and how how do we they they have to do their advertising book based on that. Yeah. The only way to get that number because you can't measure off the air. Yeah. The only way to get that number is to call people and say, do you listen to this station, this station, this station? How yeah. many hours do you listen to this? Yeah. Well, as you know, every survey is kind of bullshit. You know, almost every <laughs> marketing survey is bullshit. And I can tell you as someone that ran one of those, managed one of those mm-hmm. companies, oh. you can find who you want. Yeah. You need to find 40 people between yeah. ages 30 and 35 that make 70 to $80,000 a year who are female that have eaten at Arby's in the last two weeks. I can find them for you. Yeah. But if you call a thousand people and you find out that none of them have eaten at Arby's, that the client will not like that, right? So yeah. you've got to find those people. And mm-hmm. it was the same thing with radio. So you would find these people and be like, are you are you sure you didn't listen to ninety five point five KHOT mm-hmm. two hours this week? Because it That's seems like a little like you too did. specific for that not to be a real radio station. <laughs> it's my fake radio station, ninety five point five KHOT K Hot. Only the hottest suits of the day. Hottest ninety five point five FM FM. 
that sounds like a monster truck rally right there. <laughs> the, you bought the whole seat, but you'll only need the yeah, 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 yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. That was actually one of the first voiceovers I ever did was a monster truck commercial. Fuck yeah. You did monster truck. Adults, Troy Bucks, kids were free. Free. But here was the thing. I didn't know. I was so young. I didn't know how it worked. So I was doing the echoes myself. So I, I literally did this. I literally did. Kids are free. Free, free, free. And the guy's like, you don't need to do that. We have a, we're going to go we, ahead and. We have a button. We have a button. Yeah. <laughs> it just says yeah. nope right on but it. But so I think that radio is, um, look, anyone that you talk to in radio will tell you that it's still important. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it can still be important. The other thing um, that you should know is that radio is a hybrid now. So like iHeart will count the people listening to iHeart radio app. Yeah, as listening to the radio and on their on their site and all that yeah. stuff. You know, and that's like that's not true. You know, yeah. Um, and I think that globally, radio is a much different story than it is, like say in Northern Europe or mm. in America, in most major cities in America. But like, if you go to, you know, fifty and under cities, the top fifty and under cities, like sort of smaller regional cities, mm-hmm. radio is still very big. Um, mm. And depending on the genre, it can it can still be a very big deal. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's worth it for an independent artist to spend. Like I can tell you, like okay, so there was somebody that was talking about this a few months ago that said, "How much does it cost to service like a hip hop song? Like let's just say a good genre. You can call it pop or hip hop, hot mm-hmm. AC, one of the major radio genres. Yeah, and it's a hundred grand a single." Yeah. That's how much it costs. Yeah. So if you have a hundred grand and you're an independent artist, there are a thousand different ways to spend that in a better fashion. Yeah. You know, Um, but if you are planning, so the reason why radio really works is because if you're servicing multiple radio, okay, this is another big thing to understand. The difference between being on the radio and being a radio artist is massive. Mm-hmm. You can get spins. I can get you spins all over the country on a bunch of different specialty shows. Uh, maybe even breaking into some of the some of the lineup lists. Yeah. But the difference between a spin, which means your song got played once at two thirty two in the afternoon, okay, that's a spin. Yeah. You can, and what what you're doing is going for ads. And an ad means that you're added to the playlist of the radio station, the approved playlist. And there are so many slots in that playlist that the program director um, tells the DJs. I mean, now it's all it's all automatic. I mean, most of the radio playlists are already there. The DJs just say their bit, but the Mm -hmm. music's already loaded in. They're not even loading in carts or anything. Yeah. But so radio only works if you're added. If you're added to rotation, mm-hmm. and that means you're going to be played eight times a day, maybe if you got yeah. a hot song, like yeah. eight times a day is a lot. That's yeah. like every two hours during the the big day. During the yeah, like there's no fucking way you're going to get that probably. Yeah. And so the so how do you delineate if you're a program? You got to think about it. I think you got to think about a lot of the music industry this way. Is like how do you delineate? like why a radio station would play you 
Mm-hmm. I mean, is your music better than every other song out there? Probably not. Even if it's great, it's not better than mm-hmm. a major artist or major label, something that's coming out. Mm-hmm. So even at that level, between labels, right? You can have a label servicing radio for 16 artists on Sony. Yeah. And so why would they play this song over that one? Yeah. One of the reasons is because that one is going to be touring nationally. Mm-hmm. And that means all of the stations that play it will have the opportunity to do a ticket giveaway as part of an advertising buy from mm-hmm. the label that says, yep. we're going to spend 20 grand with you. We're also going to block out 50 tickets for you to give away. We're going to give 10 of them to your station for your marketing, salespeople, DJs, program director. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a meet and greet that's going to have your banner behind it that says 95.5 KHOT. We're going to have all that shit. With the artist, you're going to meet the artist. Mm -hmm. Some of these stations, if they're in major markets, the artist is going to call in in the morning or come to the station to promote the show. Mm -hmm. Like as an independent artist, you're not doing that. You're not Mm -hmm. going to be touring the country and you don't know if you are or not, right? Because you think you're going to get on the radio to get a hit to go on tour. Yeah, They are planning the tour and therefore that's why they're spending the hundred grand on radio servicing. Mm -hmm. So... It's not worth it for independent artists mostly, but I would say if you can find specialty shows in your genre, say you're, you know, if you're in like rebel country or if you're in like techno or if you're maybe Americana or acoustic stuff, those people mm-hmm. love finding independent artists. Yes. Um, and so try to service them, try to look how you service them. But I will tell you, so we did multiple radio campaigns Mm -hmm. and here's why you shouldn't do it. If it works, you're fucked. (laughs) This is why we, we serviced something like, I think it was something like 200 stations nationally. Hmm. We got a massive hit in Maine. (laughs) Now you gotta go to fucking Maine. We got it added in Maine. Wow. And we got added in Texas and Arizona. That's mm-hmm. fine. We toured the western part of the country yeah. anyway. But we have no fucking shows between here and Maine. Yep. We could sell out 2,000-seater in Maine. There was no way we were going to be able to get there. It would have taken five days to get there and back. Yeah. yeah. And it's worthless. And yeah. like Routing. Like, yeah, we got a huge, <laughs> a huge thing there. And yeah. so like, unless you know that you're playing nationally, like making a big push into radio. I think the more I tell that story to bands, they, they that's when you really see it when you're like, Oh yeah, that's the problem is yeah. if it works, you can't really yeah. back it up. Like yeah, you can't. Be- and then that station is like, Oh, they're not coming in. They're not going to call the us. They'll never be here. Yeah. Why are we keeping playing the song? Yeah. Yeah. And they're yeah. out. But, but the thing to keep in mind and I'll, and then I'll shut up. Cause I want to ask you about something on this is that, <laughs> If you plan on being huge, mm-hmm. right? If you plan on doing a national push ever, mm-hmm. it is worth maybe 500 bucks to find out about how BDS works. There, there are different ways that you can pitch to radio now, mm-hmm. but pitch them to let them know who you are because yeah. radio is a complete relationship business mm-hmm. and don't don't say I want to get added. Don't say I want spins. Just say, hey, I want you guys to. I want the program director and this DJ to know we have this record out. This music is just for you. You don't need to play it. 
Yeah. Um, but like, as we build, I will come, I'm coming back to you and we'll do a station ID if you ever want us to. Yeah. That's the way we started out doing is that we did, I don't know, something like 500 station IDs mm-hmm. and then sent them and then sent that to those program directors and said, yeah. we don't expect you to play it. We just want to introduce ourselves. Yeah. And then by your third album, they know who you are. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so if you're getting that far. But I you're not going to make money on it. And, and, and that's the that's the, the, the question is, what is your what is your goal? What do you want to do? What are you trying to do? Yeah. Are you trying to I mean, if you're, you know, in the in the business of just making art to make art, this is probably not the route for you. <laughs> no. At all. No. And it, no. it really depends on your, your your goals and defining that, you know, what does this look like in one year? What does this look like in three years? What does it look like in five? What does it look like in ten? You know? How do you want it to go? And not not gee whiz guys, it'd be really cool if we, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. Because everybody's like, gee whiz, it'd be really great if we could. Because once you decide that you're going to go a certain direction, you have to figure out how to build it. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it's just a gee whiz. Well, and not only that, but I mean, I think any label that that does this stuff at a big level will tell you that it's not the first go-round or the second go-round. It's yeah, yeah. the third go-round. And if you don't have enough support, money, time, content, even whatever content. it is. Yeah. Or even like material, yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you're not – if that's not in your plan – if you're going to be like, well, let's just see how this goes, and then we'll build from there. And I, mm-hmm. I do. I talk to a lot of bands and artists that are that way. Like, hey, I'm just trying to build a following and you know, and go as big as I can. I'm like, you do not want to go as big as you can. Like, you can't support it. Yeah. Like, it is – and I mean, I know everyone's heard this before, but big fish in a small pond is the way to go. And I, I don't think this has ever changed where – any major label would tell you, we're, if you can't blow up in your home city, we're not interested. Yeah. Like, we're not interested, like, mm-hmm. at all. And, like, there's no reason, if you can't do the groundwork on your own within 200 miles, Yeah, sellout clubs on Polestar, actual receipts mm-hmm. where the booking agents know how much you can sell – yeah. Get on a little local radio station a little bit. Get a little local press coverage. All mm-hmm. of that should be absolutely kind of free for you if you blow yeah. up in your own town. Yeah. But like if you don't think that you if you live in a town with or you live in a state that has two million, three million people, and you can't pull two thousand people in your hometown, like mm-hmm. why would anyone invest in you? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, and I think this goes to almost everything in the music industry. I say this all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not about you or your music. It's about what kind of partnerships you can create. Like, it's mm-hmm. about how you can make them money, how they can make you money. It's very symbiotic. Yeah. Why are you playing that theater? Because you're going you can, to sell it out and sell drinks. You're going to make them money. Yeah. They're going to make you money. Yeah. And it's yeah. the same with radio. Why would someone listen to the morning show uh, for a five-minute phone or interview with a band that nobody fucking knows? Yeah. Like, yeah, I might play that song, but like, yeah. you're not going to blow up until people kind of know you. And I, I yeah. know that's horrible, but you got to kind of get a little bit of juice first before you go big. Yeah. Well, it's it's understanding that relationship, too, and you're on point with the fact that it's a relationship. I've asked a few few artists, like, um, they, I want to play this venue. That's what we'll go. I'll get asked. So I want to play this venue. Okay. 
Um, what is what is the venue there to do? Oh, the venue's there to discover new music. <laughs> that is wrong. The venue is there to make money. If you can find a way to make them money, you'll book a show there. Yeah, Simple and that's that. and don't look at that as anti-creative. No, it's not. Like that means that that is that your music has worth, your live show has yeah. worth. Yeah. And by the way, you can make that happen without record sales if you have a great live performance show. Agreed. Guar. Guar can <laughs> Guar can yeah. book tours. Yeah. And you'll never hear them on the radio. You won't see big streaming numbers. Some of their fans may buy, you know, may have bought. I don't know. Are they even doing it anymore? But I mean, I, if I you're, think they're still, yeah, even if though. If you're doing that big of a show, yeah. you know, that's... They know that people are going to, that's the only place you can see that shit. Yeah. You know, and so it's not necessarily about the worth of your music. It's, it's, it's about the worth of each, vi- each thing that you're doing. Is yeah. your recording great? And like, it's a hit song that would grab a bunch of people. Maybe mm-hmm. radio is a good thing for you or spend yeah. a bunch of your money trying to get more streams. Mm-hmm. If you're a visual band, make sure that live show is killer and that people Pop have em. to pay 20 bucks to go see it. Yeah. And then you get somebody like something like the Black Parade, and you get both. Yes, we brought. That's the second time in this podcast we brought up how great the Black Parade is. Now was such a, I mean, an amazing record. I mean, and 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 all credit goes to you know that band and Gerard Way because I mean, look at Umbrella Academy. That guy is a fucking artist. Yeah, he's just creating, creating, creating. Like, oh, I want to do this now. I want to do this. I want to do that. I just love it. But like, I remember seeing that tour, and it was you know. I think it was right around the time Panic at the Disco was kind of doing similar things yeah. with their stage show. It was real theatrical and, you know, all the – it was real dark and, you know, there was a lot of moving pieces. It's like seeing Muse now. There's a full-on, you know – it's an experience. That's yeah. what I want when I go see a show. Anyway. Yeah, and not everyone point. does, you no. know. Um, what's weird is I remember seeing Mike Kim on that tour. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge Mike Kim fan. Me huge. too. Huge. From way back. And – I saw that tour and then they, you know, they killed Black Parade. Yeah. And they put out the next thing, which was like sort of Japanimation. Yeah. Comic booky, bright colors, um, all of that sort of thing. And I I think we ended up seeing them at, you know, it went from like a massive thing at like the big arena, 20,000 seater. To the Paramount, which was like 2,000 seats yeah. with neon trees. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and it sucked because Aww. they did not want to play anything. Like, they didn't play Helena. They didn't play Black Parade. They wanted, wow. you know, it was like one of those, this is our new identity. And we're all like, mm. not feeling it, man. Yeah. And that's basically but, what broke them up. <laughs> I, I will say, I will say this: I am for bands trying shit. Yeah, yeah. I think that "Saint Anger" by Metallica is not a great record, but I'm glad that Metallica is still trying shit. Absolutely. I mean, they have a new album out, a new and real album that's fucking thunderous. I just love it. Crazy good. Yeah, they're doing TikToks. Yeah. <laughs> and they have a, they have, I mean, they're just doing stuff, man. I like, I love that. They've, they, you know, who would have thought this thrash metal, this anti establishment thrash metal band from the Bay Area would be this fucking arena titan? Yeah. In the, in the 2020s. I mean, fuck yeah. yes. 
I, I don't know how they're still doing it. So many well, times. Uh, you know, like, there's like, how the fuck is James Hetfield still playing that? Lars is kind of playing it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love, just kidding. I know we all like uh, it's a little jab for Metallica fans. But the fact that, you know, like, they're still doing it and still, Kirk is still doing that shit. James has still got a right hand of the gods. That's what she said. And, and singing it. How and the fuck do you it. sing that? Yes. It, you know, I, I'm just, I'm floored. That some of these band, these metal bands with the real, like the real aggressive shit, are are able to do it as long as they are. Yeah, that's hard, really that is hard, really really hard. That's all she said. It's probably why everybody's sober now. Well, Lars isn't, <laughs> but, but like, there's just no way that you can go that hard and nope. play downstrokes and sing those things. No, no, no way, no way. No way. <laughs> no way. So, uh, all kudos and all credit goes to those. I mean, that's, I mean, the Rolling Stones, you know, any band from that has gotten to a point where they're like, if we want to keep doing this, and if you are a real, I hesitate to use the word real musician, if you're an artist and you're a musician and you want to go the distance, you have to be aware that you will have to evolve and change and move with the field that you're working in. The Stones had to figure out how to get sober. Keith Richards fucking quit smoking. I don't even know what to do with that identity now. That was part of, like, him. Yeah. A cigarette, some Malo, man. Come on now. Give me some muddy waters and we'll go on stage in a bit. <laughs> you know? Like, that was part of his identity. But in order to keep going, this thing is more important than this thing. And if, if I want to keep doing this you know, and be creative and be an artist and be on stage and feel the love of a hundred thousand people in the crowd. I need to get that shit sorted so that I can keep doing that thing. Yeah. And, and like those two, the stones, Metallica, um, Dave Mustaine quit heroin for fuck's sake. That's not easy. Um, you know, yeah, but he sort of cheated that. I mean, if you die, it's really easy to quit something. (laughs) I'm looking at you, Nikki six. (laughs) Totally kidding. Yeah. But it's, it's, you know, like you have to figure out how to, if I'm going to keep doing this, I have to kidding. Dave Mustaine. I love you. Sorry. I love Dave Mustaine too. He's a very, 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 it was a very lovely man. I met him a few years ago at a, with our friend Ryan, Ryan, Chris, um, the outlaw country, Phenom, shall we say? He's got um, cuts. What's yeah, up? He's got the mayor of <laughs> Colfax Avenue, the longest street in the United States. Um, he, we were out at a William Morris party in Nashville, and and um, uh, on the flight out, Ryan had been reading Joe Perry's biography, and there was a there was a whole bit about Megadeth opening for Aerosmith on tour. Oh Who the fuck God. thought that was a good idea? Yeah, I don't know. And so <laughs> Ryan's like. I'm going to go talk to Dave and find out about the story Joe Perry told. And he <laughs> fucking, fucking goes Ryan. over and talks to him. And because, and he has dude's phone number, and apparently they talk whenever, you know, shit's going. It just, you know, it was just a weird, like, uh, happenstance. The dude happened to be there supporting his daughter, uh, Electra, on her, you know, her musical journey. And and Ryan goes, I'm going to go talk to him about this Joe Perry book, and it was just um, it was really interesting. But he was very kind and very very just. He was like, I'm just here to support my kid. I'm not interested in doing all the stuff. And that was the first time I'd ever seen Chris Stapleton live. Oh, he opened for uh, Gary Allen at this party. God, Chris Stapleton, and it was amazing, absolutely mind blowingly good. Just Josh. Our, our guitar playing buddy Josh Skelton and I are standing, and you know everybody's drinking and socializing stuff like that, and we're just like staring up at this this bearded, glorious Sasquatch man, 
uh, with the voice of God, you know, just, and it was absolutely astonishing. He was wonderful. When oh. he was slated to do the Super Bowl mm. and do the, the um, Star Spangled Banner, mm-hmm. I hate calling it a national anthem. It feels so fascist. But, <laughs> but when he did that song, uh, you know, I had somebody who's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure he's going to lip sync. And I was like, you do not know Chris Stapleton. Nope. He will not play it live. He will sing it live. And you will cry. Yep. <laughs> and everybody and was like, that's what fucking happened. Yep. I was like, I would pay, I will bet you as much money as you have. He will not lip sync it. And yep. he was, I think a lot of people are like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. And no. which is, I, and he's such a crossover too, because he's mm-hmm. got, you know, he's the kind of country artist that has so much junk in his soul, so oh, much yeah. junk in his voice that like the real ones know. Like, even yeah. if you are like a huge hip hop fan, you're like, oh, that motherfucker's got it. Yeah. Like whatever mm-hmm. he's doing, I'm in. That's how I feel about Lizzo. Yeah. You know, that's how I feel about Lizzo. I know. Uh, she's, she's got, oh, man, that woman is so talented. Just crushing it not just talented not just a like a a a, a, just a force of nature as an artist but you know she is aware of the platform she's standing on right now and she is waving her fucking flag and i love it i'm here for it please keep doing it you're amazing i I read on twitter that lizzo's waving her flag and shaking her ass excellent uh, my girlfriend yeah. Katie is a professional flute player, and she is like, she's my manifesting queen, as she is, is like, I'm going to fucking work with Lizzo. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, as well you should. I want to hear some Lizzo Katie flute duets like tomorrow. Please. Oh my do. God, that would be sweet. That'd be rad. Anyway. Yeah, that's a cool connection. Yeah. Like, like look at all the little girls and the young women that look up to this glorious female powerhouse right yeah and and you know like i remember like band nerds band nerds i was a band nerd i played trombone i was a band I fucking nerd loved playing trombone right we we didn't use that word but yeah i was a band uh, nerd yeah um we, but you know it's, we it's used the f word yeah yeah that was yeah that bad was days the, bad days the bad days you know but like i just think of like somebody just handed the power back you know like said no this is cool it is cool to be a. It, I mean, it's amazing to be an instrumentalist. There's some real skill that it takes to do that, and now you've got this this um, you know icon representing that and being like, um, if I can quote Lizzo, "No bitch, yeah, <laughs> um, this is fucking amazing and awesome, and I embody that too." And it's just like I think about some kid coming up and seeing this glorious powerhouse and seeing wow you can do that with this yeah yeah that just that that makes me so fucking happy yeah it makes me really excited about i mean she's one of those artists that makes me really excited about the future of music that mm-hmm. that yeah i i remember being 12 or 13 and who my heroes were and yeah. and like a lot of that's pretty unattainable like when mm-hmm. i was coming up you know because yeah. it was all you know, she came out of left field in a lot of ways. I mean, she put in all the work and all the mm-hmm. rest of it. Yeah. But you know, she's not cookie cutter. She made it a little bit mm-hmm. later. Yeah. Um, and you know, that single was two like a year and a half old before it really blew, blew yeah. up. And so it's, I just think that like you got to think that some of the younger people are looking at that, going, "Yeah, anybody can make it." Like, yeah, got to put in the work, and the talent has to be there. 
Yeah, of course. But, you know, you don't have to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a keyboardist. You know, because, yeah. like, think about that, the difference between a generation further. There's like, oh, well, oh, fuck. I have to be Lady Gaga to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, and now yeah. these these gals are younger and looking and go, oh, I could be Lizzo and make it. I yeah. Could be, you know, you yeah. can look at some of the different mm-hmm. heroes that you lay. It's a horrible word, but some of the people that have already kind of blown up and you can be like, yeah, I could do that. I, I, I could see myself yeah. there. That's a really wonderful and powerful thing for you to be able to. Um, when we talk, when I, as a as a bleeding heart liberal that I am, talk about representation mattering, that is, you know, for somebody to be able to look up on the stage or up on a screen or something and see themselves in there and see the power that lies in that, yeah, that makes me incredibly happy, and I want that for everyone. Absolutely, I mean, and Always. you can look at on the other side of things where you have someone like Sam Smith. Or oh, Sam yeah. Sam Sith. <laughs> as, oh, that misspelling. As billboard was so, <laughs> it was chart metric, I think is what it was. But you know, someone who's, you know, been very vocal about, you know, their their personal journey and sexuality mm-hmm. and in their body imaging. And yeah. same thing with Ed Sheeran. Like, yeah. like it, it's not even about being overweight or underweight or good looking or not, but like a ginger is going to be the biggest streamed artist yeah. in the world and, and hold arenas with 45,000 people with just an acoustic By guitar himself. and a looper. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what a, yeah, that's amazing. Exactly. It's yeah. amazing. He's not, you know, he's not your, your cookie cutter sexual idol lead front yeah. man. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, that is awesome to see yeah. in the, in this kind of newer world where, and I think that has a lot of lot to do with the culture changing as far as acceptance of people. Yeah. Um and, and I agree with different that. kinds of people. I Representation as you will. But I'm looking up um something real quick. Oh good. Um uh, there you go. Um uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the song that Sam Smith and Kim Petrus put out. Um the, uh, our well, first don't know. That, yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of it. But Unholy. We, yes, thank you. Um, the 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 we have the first uh, trans individual um, winning a Grammy. Yeah. Fuck yes. Like that's you know again uh, like I I love the idea because um, Kim you are an attractive human. You're confusing the shit out of people everywhere, and I'm fucking here for yeah. it. You know. Um, yeah, I, 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 I love, I love that we're, we're, we're pushing these boundaries. That's something I think that should be happening in general. Anyway, boundaries should be pushed. Ideas should be challenged. Question everything. And that's what music is for. It always has been. I agree. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, and yes, there's always a part of music in the music industry that is your straight and narrow, great kind of musician you're sort of glenn miller (laughs) kind of thing like uh and and that's worthy as well but i mean it is the area where artistry and your personal experience can be a part of that Mm -hmm. um and should be a part of it absolutely because you're gonna find a tribe you're gonna find your tribe yeah find your tribe that's a that's magic words it's i think it's important now whether yeah. or not that means you are able to move numbers, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's global yeah. now. I mean, it's that's that's the other yeah. thing is that it's global, and 
<clears throat> you're going to find a lot of people worldwide that are like, hey, look at that person doing something interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, I have bogarted this conversation. You said you had a question earlier that you wanted to address to me about the radio to thing, me. and I fucking just ran this thing well, into the ground. I, yeah, I just want to know what your view <laughs> on the radio thing is now. Like, if you have a view on it. Uh, like, what are you telling I your do. clients and coaching students and stuff if they brings up? I'm telling them the same, pretty much the same thing you said. If you think it's something you can support yeah. nationwide, then go for it. But most of the people I'm talking to don't have the budget to do that, and they don't have the they don't have the fan base to do it either. But that does not mean that they are unsuccessful, right? Like this is just like it, it's it depends on what you're trying to do. If your goal is to be a musician and keep creating great stuff and putting out great stuff, just like we just said with this thing, you will find your tribe and they will love you and they will support you, and just. Keep making it. Keep making great stuff and carry on. I You don't need radio to do, do that. You do not need radio to do that. And I also think um, there is um, a trend that is kind of ass backwards now where mm-hmm. program directors and radio stations, in some cases, they are looking for what's blowing up in streaming to add. Yeah. So, I mean, if, yeah. you, if you do your work... Um, getting your streams up, your YouTubes up or whatever, you know, then radio will come to you. Like there, there will be, there is a way to kind of do it like reverse engineering now that if you get that big, that, that may be something to where a local show with a DJ that actually has some input on what music, if you can make a fan out of them, you know, then they're going to put it on the log sheet. Other program directors will see it. And that can be a way to... Uh, that can be a way to pick up some radio. I also think yeah. that it is massively dependent on genre. So yes, like, I agree. You might think that it'd be easier to get into country radio, and it's probably. I would say it goes like this: Christian music, country radio music, are the two hardest ones to get into. Yeah, <laughs> under that, yeah. hip hop and pop is probably the next two. And those are the two most expensive to get into. But like, if Mm -hmm. you are not being serviced nationally, country is not going to pick you up and you have to sound an exact certain way. And the right people have to have worked on it and you know, all of that. But I do think that like, there's, I like to have this conversation in a different way that a lot of the music gurus do. There is still a pathway for you if you're older and So if you are doing Americana or AAA music and you are, say, an acoustic singer-songwriter with a band, you those are it's like maybe 75 stations nationwide for that. You have a chance yeah. to do that. Same mm-hmm. rules apply. You have to service them. Yeah, that means you got to call every week. You got to do phoners. You got to do station IDs. You got to have some touring going on. You got to have the numbers to back it up. But you can make inroads mm-hmm. into that. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, some of the artists that are still on there, like your Bonnie Raitz and your Cheryl Crows and, um, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, th- I mean, the Highway Women, that kind of stuff where it crosses over a little bit. And those are yeah. older people, you know? And, yeah. but, you know, that's, so you can still make it in that. But I just, I want to caution everyone when we always talk about this is like, 
Do not see it as an X plus Y equals Z thing. If you get a bunch of radio, you are not going to make more money. It just is yeah. not going to happen uh, at first. Yeah. Like, but you know, if you get into rotation and you become one of those songs known for that year, that's radio play forever. <laughs> like, there's yeah. there's still yeah. those bands being played with one hit wonders. You know, still still now on throwback shows are still getting some money. I've been in a few of those. Yeah, bands. totally. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's the 90th yeah. anniversary of this single. Um, but, you know, yep. it works because that song yeah, is a part does. of people's lives. Um, but yeah. again, my, my, my caution to anyone. So I guess to wrap this up, my whole point of view about radio is that is it worth doing? Yes. But is it worth it for your... Career trajectory, probably not until you're ready for it because you do not want to have success and not be ready for it because you'll, you'll just disappoint. You just won't be able to back it up. Yeah. You know, and so that's, yeah. that's probably the biggest thing. Fantastic. So there's radio. There's <clears throat> radio. That was unexpected. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right, let's get to a sync of the week. The sync of the week. week we should probably week, do some week. imaging there. Probably. Or something. So what's your sync of the week, Stu? Okay, so I think I've, I don't know if I've mentioned it recently, but Katie and I are watching this show called Invasion. Ooh. Um, it's a Apple TV show, and we were, uh, I don't want to give too much away regarding this, but... Um, Space Oddity by David Bowie in the last episode of season one of Invasion. Space Oddity? Yes. David Bowie? It was the perfect payoff piece for a very emotional uh, scene. And the way it was done was... uh, And it actually ended up showing up again in another montage that was really, really nice. But that... I guess went, oh, I love that so much. Because... You know, if you're if you're not a Bowie fan, you're not going to get it. You know, I mean, everybody's heard that fucking song, but, you know, it has to do with more to do with David Bowie than it does to do with the song. And, well, I guess it does have to do with the song. Cause it's about aliens. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it was just a really. Oh, nice, you gave it away. It's about aliens. Th- it's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the it's in, it's called invasion. If you read the, the, okay, you can bleep all that out. I just loved the 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 payoff on that that one piece. It was just not what I expected in that moment. Yeah, yeah. So, do you think David Bowie really was an alien? I think we all are. <gasps> hey, shots fired. That's an that's another podcast entirely. <laughs> We're all from Pleiades. Well, I'm a star child. Yes. Absolutely. We're all made of stardust. I do think that there is a good working theory that the world has considerably become worse. And by the way, when I say the world, <laughs> I mean Thailand. I mean Bangalore. I mean I mean Russia. I mean Tokyo. I mean... Everyone. Boise, Idaho. Boise? Every place has gotten worse since David Bowie left this earth. Ooh. Do you think he was holding it all together? I think that he may have had an energetic pull that has a sort of a creative soul to it that spreads. And the fact that when you hear that music, it sort of feeds back into him and then back into us. Yeah. Not as like a Jesus figure, but I do think that there are some cultural people like that, that their being on earth, whether they're creating now or not, 
connects to all of that energy from what they did, especially people that did stuff in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Like, like there's a there's a Paul McCartney energy mm. in the world mm-hmm. still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that will be sad when that leaves. Yeah. And and hopefully all of us have a little bit of that yeah. to share. Yeah. I think Prince um, had that yeah, too. I think that there is it's one of the weird things about music, I think, that like there you know, because music can be a part of so many people's lives globally, yeah. it's a different kind of art form that way. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. that it can it can renew energy. Yeah. Oh, that's really Oh man. Oh man. Let's start talking about stones and stuff, man. I have I've a right. crystal guy, but let's talk about that another time. That's right. When's the next full moon? Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> it's aligned with my cycle. All right, my sink of the week. I'm rewatching. I like that spy shit. Yeah, you know that. I like that spy shit. And so I was trying to watch Homeland. Yeah. And God bless Claire Danes. She's just too good at playing a bipolar. It reminds me of my ex, and I cannot watch it anymore. <laughs> I love oh, Mandy no. Patinkin, but like I, I can't watch someone fall apart on screen like yeah. I'm not down. I'm not here for that. Yeah. I'm here for the uh, the secret codes and the drops yeah. and, you know, the back and forth. So anyway, I found another one that I can rewatch, and it is The American. Oh, it's excellent. I've never seen it. It's excellent. I, I completely missed it. Uh, Carrie Russell uh, spent a little time at Highlands Ranch. She went to high school here, I believe. Yep, that's right. Um, and so she's kind of a homegirl. Um, anyway, I know a bunch of people have seen it. It's on Hulu, and I'm watching it now. Um, I think I'm in the second season. No, or Yeah, I'm, I'm in the second season Excellent. right now. Um, but at the end of the first season, mm-hmm. just an excellent, excellent pull. And it was Peter Gabriel's Games Without Frontiers. Ooh. Which is a great... So if you don't know the show, it takes place in like the late 70s, early 80s in the beginning. And so it's got a lot of great music placements. But that was a really good one because of the uh, the, the war overtones mm. and sort of the secrecy overtones. It's kind of a, a freaky song. Yeah. And that whistle, that whistle makes me cringe. I hate whistling. <laughs> but, but it's got... But there's a line. You can draw a line from that whistle... Um, to Winds of Change, the Scorpions. scorpions. Yeah. <laughs> and that somehow whistles have to do with sort of old-timey soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Walking through the fields, whistling. Um, And it's, uh, by the way, the music supervisors on that were Amanda Creek Thompson and, of course, the GOAT, P.J. Bloom. One of the goats. Well, I, I hate doing that. You can't say the goat. PJ Bloom was fucking awesome. I don't even know if he's still doing music <laughs> supervision, but um, but yeah, it was a really good pull. I think they they've ended up using Peter Gabriel later on, but that is my sink of the week. Excellent. Two solid choices, I believe. Let's see. Hey, thanks for listening. Make sure to share us with your music curious friends. Follow us anywhere at Two Shots Music Pod. Or go ahead and email us, twoshotsmusicpod at gmail.com. We will check you out next time. Thank you so much.